Hi, I'm Tim Marlow, the Artistic Director of the Royal Academy of Arts in London. You're listening to a podcast from our events programme, recorded live in the new Benjamin West Lecture Theatre. Good evening, everybody, and a really warm welcome um, to this In Conversation here at the Royal Academy in our beautiful, still relatively new lecture theatre. Um, for those of you who do not know me yet, my name is Axel Ruga, and I'm the still also reasonably new secretary and CEO of the Royal Academy, and it's a real pleasure to have you here um, for this event, the com in conversation between Tracy Emin, Royal Academician, and um, David Dawson. I'm sure you know, the two of them don't really require much of an introduction, so I will keep it quite brief. Of course, you know that Tracy Emin is one of the most eminent British artists currently, and um, that she works in a wide range of media in uh, drawing, uh, sculpture, painting, video photography, and also neon signs. And I'm sure, you know, many, some of you may have seen also the, you know, rather big installation um, of the neon sign she has at St. Pancras Station. Um, Tracy has been a Royal Academician since 2007, and also for a period has been Professor of Drawing here at the Royal Academy schools, because I don't know, I hope may, all of you know that we do actually have the schools and um, you know, that we have a, a student uh, training program here at the Academy. Um, it's, of course, uh, you know, particularly relevant to have Tracy here this evening, because of course a lot of her work um, has a strong autobiographical dimension, and she also talks a lot as a panelist and speaker about uh, the links between creativity and autobiography and um, also uh, the role of subjectivity um, and the making of art. And so for this conversation, one could not imagine a better conversation partner than David Dawson. Um, those of you who have already seen the Lucian Freud exhibition will know that uh, David has been um, one of the curators of the exhibition. He, of course, was uh, Lucian Freud's uh, assistant from 1991 until Lucian Freud's death in 2011. Um, and so, therefore, you know, is, uh, knows absolutely you know, everything and every dimension about um, uh, Lucian's work, but also particularly this exhibition. Um, but he's also, I would like to emphasize, of course, an artist in his own right, um, as a painter and photographer, he has had several uh, solo exhibitions and also an exhibition of uh, his photos of Lucian Freud at work at the National Portrait Gallery in 2004. Um, and so there's one thing that is also might be important to know, and they, the two of them I know will come back to this uh, during the conversation, but Tracy and uh, David have been long-term friends. In fact, uh, they were students together at the Royal College of Art at the very end of the 1980s. Um, so I'm sure this will also be relevant for the talk. So without much further ado, I would now like to ask uh, Tracy and David to the stage. Please welcome them. Hello. Um, well, well, we'll put some images up to immediately start. Um, I'll just sort of lay out why this show of self-portraits came about. Um, the last 10 years of Lucien's life, Lucien was having exhibitions every other year in a major museum around the world. And I was always very, very keen as helping in these exhibitions, noticing Lucien's self-portraits 
in every decade of his working life. And I said to Lisa, no, one day I really, really would like to see a show just of self-portraits. Um, Lucien said, yeah, you do that when I'm not around. And for Lucien, I can understand why it would be too, um, not stress, well, stressful, really, just too draining um, for him to, to encounter himself in every decade of his life. Um, he, didn't very, he didn't particularly like seeing his whole life flash in front of him. <coughs> um, but I thought now was the right time to, to, for us to sort of reevaluate or just take a proper look at, at these self-portraits. And in the exhibition you know, upstairs, there are seven decades of work here. So it's a, it's a marathon life of painting. Um, so we'll start with the, these two are very early, early drawings that came about um, in his very early 20s. He, he spent a lot, of, a lot of his very early work were used as book illustrations. Um, but what he did commit to very early on was he sort of, as an, a writer wrote about, he fastened his gaze and he, he took to observing and getting his information from looking and experiencing and not so much from memory. I think he might have felt that memory was a sense... Memory sort of categorises things and not simplifies it, but it edits in a certain way. Whereas if you experience looking and take in... There's a huge amount of information for you to edit from with looking. So from very, very early on, this is what he, he did. And it, it continued for the next seven, six decades. Um, and then what you do realise in the show is that as he... Uh, you know, he was in his early 30s at this point, as his relationships with people developed, then the painting somehow got richer and richer and deeper. And this is something that we can... It overflows with your work, Tracy, in that, you know, your work is very, very much about um, relationships, autobiographical, um, and about people that you love. And, and Lucien's, the whole of Lucien's work was very, very much about, as he said once, you know, I work from people that interest me in rooms I live and know. And in a way, it's very, very similar to how you go about your painting. It, well, that's that really... There's one thing, I'm so happy just sitting here listening to David. I don't actually really want to say anything. I wish I, I was in the audience just listening to him. But what... Oh... <laughs> This goes back to, this is 1986, no, 1987. 1987, At the Royal yeah. College of Art. But, I mean, what you just said about that quote from Lucien, I mean, it just sounds like the most beautiful, passionate, simple poem that everybody can understand. And there's one thing about Lucien. When, when I was younger, Lucien's work confused me because it was so, um, it seemed so academic, it seemed so real in a way, and my work is very expressionist, very much about emotion, and it, it, it almost, it's like, on first glance, the complete opposite to what Lucien, when I was younger, I would have thought it was the complete opposite to what Lucien was doing. But what Lucien does is so atmospheric. There is no way you can look at one of his paintings and not feel some tremble or tremor of something which is, is, 
It isn't a simple, it's not a portrait of someone, it's not an image of someone, it isn't a likeness of someone. You've got this flesh, you've got this <clears> atmosphere, <throat> and, and the room, like you said about the room, like all well, the quote from Lucian, the room is so important. Very much. And it's, you know, it's experiencing life. It's, you know, when Lucian talked about paintings, it was always about what he felt. And it's always about feelings. And the thing of not using your memory as much, but, but allowing yourself to take in the information just from looking, um, it's about the experience of being with another person and the intimacy of being with that person. Well, well that's what comes in with the opposite between me, me and Lucien, is that Lucien is looking, and, in, in, and, and because of that, he's using this, this clear honesty. Yeah. It is really... Uh, it's objective and subjective at the same time, but incredibly honest. Whereas you could say that what I do isn't honest because I'm well, using it, memory, no, yeah, I'm using, using memory. emotion, yeah. I'm, using the com I'm using the complete antithesis to what he did, but, but yet it's still coming back to the same result because we're using honest... It's an honest emotional feeling. Crikey. Um, David took these photos. Yeah, this is... Yeah, these yeah. are... This, this, uh, this is um, my... My Turkish moment, if anybody knows. I, well, it wasn't a moment. I'm half Turkish Cypriot. And um, when I arrived at the Royal College of Art, what, how late was I? Ten, what, a week at least, oh, not oh, ten at days. At least a week late, yeah. Very just, casual. Just turned up ten days late. I'd just come back from being in Turkey for a, quite a few months. And, um, and my whole year that preceded was just kind of Turkish miniatures, Turkish watercolours, Turkish subject matter, speaking Turkish, listening to Turkish radio, eating back. And you, you'd fallen in love. And I'd fallen in love in Turkey, yeah. So, so. it's about love, really, that you were yeah, painting. it was. That's one of your paintings that you've destroyed, wasn't it? You destroyed all your work after the Royal College, didn't you? Yeah, this, but this was my first painting I did at the Royal College of Art, my first big painting, it took me a year. And basically, I was told that if I didn't get on with... So I used to make tiny little collages out of newspaper and different things and sit on a Turkish carpet drinking tea. And, um, and basically, I was told that I was... I was fantastically, I got the Riplad... I got a, a travel scholarship, an amazing travel scholarship for £10,000. And this was in 19... Um, 1987-88 for the summer. And I was given this travel scholarship on the condition that I couldn't travel anywhere. And I had to sp stay in college every day throughout the summer and learn to oil paint, learn to make stretches, and learn to stretch canvas. And with that £10,000, I got as much canvas, as much paint, whatever I wanted. And I had um, the technician to help me all summer, making the stretches, stretching the canvas. I had Alan Miller and Ken Kiff come in and teach me one-to-one, -one, one day a week during the summer. And God, did I learn to paint. I well, Ken, excelled. I also had Ken Kiff as a teacher. He was a great teacher, wasn't he? Don't you yeah. think? He was fantastic. Anyone who doesn't know who Ken Kiff was, he was like a big name in, in the 70s and 80s, figurative painter. Sort of um, magical... Yeah, magical sort of realism and very Jungian and... and you know, a, a big... Beautiful, a really good te art teacher, I thought. Yeah, and Alan Miller was very practical and fantastic at teaching me how to literally mix paint, use paint, use linseed oil. And these paintings were like... This painting was maybe about eight foot by seven foot. So I went from doing tiny little watercolours 
and over the summer I was doing and this was on this was on gesso pure gesso sanded back primer um, you know big sort of linseed oil washes um, using like old master techniques within within like two months I cracked it it was fantastic and yeah. people who don't know that I can paint, I can really paint. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. But my subject matter, which was a cross between, I would say a cross between Byzantine frescoes and yeah. Edvard Munch. Yeah. And while Tracy was doing those on one side of the wall, I was doing these on the other. So I won't go too much into my work because it's going to dissipate from talking about Lucin and your work. So, but I've just thrown these student works in for now. But they're um, beautiful, aren't they? But, These paintings are really, yeah. Um, but this, and then coming back to Lucien with, this is when he became very, very, he knew Francis Bacon at this point. And I think Francis really taught him how to be a contemporary artist. And it's that thing of gambling, playing for the highest stakes in art, in painting, for the biggest ambitions. And I think you can relate to that, can't you? I mean, you no, do this, <laughs> you, do, you can do this in your work that you, you play for the highest stakes with your honesty and your candor for... Well, I think what's really... You know, this, this is, is your self-portrait. This is my self-portrait. I think what's... Which also looks like my mum when my mum died. So for me, it isn't just a simple case of doing a self-portrait or a likeness or something. It has... There's something else happens. And going back to Lucien, this is really interesting. David um, did... Painted some portraits of me... Um, in Lucien's studio, on the bed where Lucien's models used to lay, and we had this fantastic conversation about the thing. That makes art come alive. Yeah, what is the thing? And it's very elusive, but when you find it, it makes art, doesn't it? Yeah, and, it... and it's the difference between a picture and it's the difference between art. So we were talking about Lucien, and what we were saying was Lucien had the thing. And Lucien didn't just paint a likeness of someone. He didn't just paint a portrait of someone. And what's so fantastic about the self-portrait self show is that you can understand that Lucien wasn't a portrait painter. He was a thing painter. Atmosphere, um, emotion, something else happening. It wasn't just about a likeness. Loads of people can paint a likeness. You spend, if you're technically competent, you can spend three days doing life drawing classes yeah. and you will, you, 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 like me, if I, go, if I do spend a day life drawing, I can, I can draw, and so academically and, and anatomically, totally correctly. It's, it's a matter of just seeing and correctly knowing how to do it. But getting the thing is a completely um, different and thing. And Lucien, I think, would use people to invent the painting, which is a different way which isn't about a likeness. It's using somebody to make the painting come alive. And, I mean, and for me, with the, with the show, does, the most interesting paintings are the ones where um, Lucien is a shadow, or Lucien is a shoe, or Lucien is a reflection, or, you know, and, and for that, I think it, you totally understand that with Lucien Freud, he was on another level completely. And this show totally shows that. And when Lucien died, lots of people said to me, oh, what, do you, what do you think, you know? And I said, there will be nobody 
nobody to replace his shoes, no yeah. one. Because his work was this strange balance of everything. It yeah, was, it was. For some people, some people say, oh, it's just boring. It's just like, like, like life drawing, painting or a likeness. And other people will completely argue against that. You know, it, it's good that it causes so much um, uh, discussion. Um, it's one of my paintings. It's one of my favourite paintings. This painting is quite large. It's about, I think it's about maybe two metres by metre, no, bigger than that, two metres by three metres, something like that. And um, Your titles are always very, very good and, and integral to the work, aren't they? Yeah, they are, except I can never, it's very rare that I can remember any of my titles because <laughs> I, I write them kind of automatically, boom, that's the title. And then I always refer to the painting to what it looks like, so as I know which one I'm talking about. But do the so, titles come in the, whilst you're painting, or, or does the title come before? No, it doesn't. It's, it's no, more, more sort of organic. In it's the... organic. Sometimes it comes before, sometimes yeah, yeah, it yeah. comes afterwards, sometimes it comes because the painting's leaving the studio now, I've got to title it. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it, and then also, because I'm, I'm getting so much older, I have to get on my knees. And, and I always title them in pencil and write with this pencil. And it's always slightly painful for me. But, it, but it's important. If the painting hasn't got a title, it isn't finished. Remember that. No, we, um, but when we were students, we'd always talk about you could never have a work that was untitled. Because yeah. there was a, in the 80s, there was a, a fashion, wasn't there? Any paintings, it was always untitled yeah, in but, brackets. But worse than that, there was, <laughs> un, no, there was untitled three yeah. <laughs> with Roman numerals. Yeah. So I remember the students, yeah. we would always kick off about, I think these are extraordinary. This was a series of insomnia self-portraits that you had at the last, your last show at the White Cube. I think it's an extraordinary portrait, this one. So, um, I suffer from inso insomnia, like, um, unbelievably. In March, I didn't sleep hard for nine days almost. I only slept for, like, nine nights. I slept for maybe an hour, hour and a half, and I, I actually started to go quite insane from it and was really felt so ill, and it was, it was terrible. Because the problem with insomnia, if anyone suffers from it, means that you sleep for, in the daytime too. So you have this double frustration. You, you, you can't do what you need to do during the day, and then you're, and then you're <coughs> so tired at night. It's not like you have insomnia so you can, you're wide awake and you can work. If you're working at night, you're not suffering from insomnia. Insomnia means that you're, you're almost like got some kind of rigor mortis, and you're laying there, and your brain is like moving so fast except your body won't you can't you can't move really and i started to photo like i think oh i can see a ghost over there or that light looks weird just laying there and i think oh i'll take a photo of it so with my phone i just take a photo of it and then i just suddenly turned the camera around and took the photo of me and i thought wow i look dead or I look quite good looking there or oh Christ I look ugly or my nose look whatever it was yeah. and I started taking these photos over a period of four years and I've got to say it really cheered me up because <laughs> even though I had the insomnia I knew that I was onto something about myself it made me think about me in a different way and made me not feel a victim to my situation it made me feel like I was getting something from it or understanding something from it I didn't think I was going to show them 
And then when I had the show at White Cube, we, Harry and I, we printed them all out. There were hundreds and hundreds of them. And I said, well, they'd make great wallpaper, just like all the way down the corridor of White Cube, just like hundreds of them. And then I thought, no, it's a bit, bit, bit 80s, bit 90s. It's a bit kind of... And I thought, they're actually really good photos. I'm going to print them up like beautiful little photos and frame them. And I thought, no, it's kind of too precious. And then, like typical Tracy, what did I do? I sort of made them sort of like, you know, five foot by four foot and made them like shockingly, like horrific for myself to look at. But they become... Well, there's a truth-telling in them, and that's what, you know, which, again, I can relate to with Lucien. I mean, Lucien was always talking about his own truth-telling. Um, let's put this one up. I just, I mean, it's a very, in a way, it's come about in a very, very different way. This is the Lucien with a black eye, where he, you know, the narrative or the story of it is that he got punched by a taxi driver. But again, it's the, his love of paint and, and the moment and the excitement of flesh, you know, that, that whoever said that oil paint was made for painting flesh, well, it really was for Lucien. Um, it's, it was a nice juxtaposition with your... But it is the honesty of your... That, that's your installation shot of the Insomnia series. And it's, it's the honesty that you have, which I... When we, when we were installing them, there, were, there was someone was going... You can't have that one there because as soon as people come in, they'll see like my nipple, or they'll see this, or they'll see that. And I started to be quite um, critical about them, and then I just realised that I, I mustn't be like that. Yeah. I had to go back to the beginning again. And it was when it came to the time of the exhibition, it was quite hard for me. I was, I was um, not nervous about it, but I thought, wow, this is kind of heavy for me to look at myself yeah. like this, knowing that everyone else will be looking well, that's, at Well, that's what Lucien would be, you know, this is what Lucien would suffer from. Um, this is Lucien working at night. I, I took this photograph. I was, I'm sitting, looking at Lucien while he did the painting of me with Eli, my whippet, on, on my lap. Um, but, yeah, the studio, this is where you spent many a time since with... You'd met Lucien two or three times also before... Um, before he died, so... Um, yeah, and Lu Lucien came to my house once. He did. It was, your was it your birthday? Yeah. Or yeah. It was a fun party. <laughs> <laughs> Lucien had a good time as well. Yeah, he did. I was very honoured that he... Because he's kind of, like... He wasn't private, was he? But he was very much... He believed in his... privacy as a quality of yeah. life. So he guarded it well. But he was very, very interested in everyone, or he, he was selective, not selective, he had very strong likes and dislikes, and he wanted to, he thought you were a good artist and he wanted to know more about you, so that's how he came along. Um, I mean, when I remember one of the first times what he said when, you know, the, the group of our generation were becoming noted, he said that the good thing about this group of artists is that they've got an audience, and it's a, it's a very proper... Um, observation, isn't it? Yeah. It's really important that you have an audience if you're an artist. Yeah, because if you don't have... A, it's like the Turing Shroud. The Turing Shroud wouldn't be the Turing Shroud if nobody went to see it. We wouldn't know it was there. It wouldn't have the presence no, it, yeah, or the yeah. importance. Yeah. So it keeps it alive. Yeah. Um, I put this... Paint, this is the first painting Lucian did of me. Um, and I remember him saying, you know, 
There's nothing more electric than the feeling of a wild animal. You know, when you touch a wild animal, there's something really electric about that. And that's Lucian's fascination with fur and skin. But there is, if you, I mean, you know, that's why dogs are domesticated and, you know, we have so-called animals in our lives. Fantastic but... photograph of Lucian holding a fox. Yeah. But, like, holding a fox like it's a baby and just completely but at it, it, ease it, with it. Yeah, 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 it is that electricity, that shock of something wild and you're holding it. Um, but the, the, his studios are so, um, I don't know, there's something very, very special about his working. When I first met Lucien and walked into the studio for, for the first time, there was something really concentrated and a sense of purpose that was very serious in, in, in the studio. When, when that happened, did you, did you have any idea that you were going to spend 20 years? No, but I certainly was very, very excited by the feeling it gave me of that he was doing something. I met Lucien and he was beginning the first painting of Lee Bowery. So when I walked in through that door, there was a six-foot painting half-finished of Lee Bowery. And I thought there was... I'd seen nothing like this. It was, you know, I'd just... It was six months after the Royal College. I'd just come out, the, you know, as a student, and I, and I was looking, and I thought that was one of the best paintings, you know, that was, was happening, was being painted there right in front of me. It must have been quite shocking, because... Oh, God, when we were at the Royal College of Art, the fashion was this very sort of, like, abstract... And the, and the 80s, you know, Julia, the New York 80s, yeah. wasn't it? It was Schnabel and... Eric Fischl and... Um, yeah, in Britain, it was like this sort of abstract, sort of, I, I call it the flabby abstract thing. And then in America, it was like this sort of figurative, sort of knowing figurative... Yeah, David Sully, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, this is good. This is very close to what <coughs> Lucian would have liked this, I think. It's, so this is quite a good story about this painting. Um, I did this painting in France... And underneath it is a, is a very, like, very typical Tracy painting figure, reclining figure, laying back, quite beautiful. And I was in such... I just thought, oh, fuck it, I can't do another one of them. I can't. I've just... I can't. And so I painted it all out, got rid of it all, and I was really angry, and then I wrote, wrote uh, what I did on top. And I thought, yeah, that's really good. I really like it. It's really good. It's really good. And then took it to my show in Ibiza, very beautiful space in Ibiza this summer, hung the painting up, I thought, wow, it looks really good, it's so tough, it's so strong. And someone went, trough. <laughs> <laughs> I had absolutely no idea, nor did Harry, can I add, had no idea that it was, I'd spelt truth wrong until it was hanging <laughs> on the wall. And in a way, it made it better because it is the truth. It is sincere. And to me, it didn't matter that it was spelt wrong. To me, it was the truth because the integrity and the reason why I made it. But it's so weird because the R doesn't even... I must have... I put the R in afterwards. Do you know what I mean? Because I... You know, it, so it's... What it's, it's just so bizarre. But it, it is good in a way because it has a... Um... Well, you get the message across. And I remember Leeson saying that about painting once, that... It doesn't really matter what you do. If you just hammer it home hard enough, it gets through. And I think it's the same thing, isn't it? You just, 
it yeah, certainly it cuts through something. To yeah, it doesn't matter that no. it's spelt wrong. The truth is the truth. We yeah. know what the truth is. So, and I don't know, David wanted me to put some text paintings in. Yeah, so. yeah I, I, I love these. So this, this was a this. good one. I had this at White Cube. <clears throat> and, um, and I had it in front of the seat. So couples could sit down and analyse their relationship <laughs> from it. <laughs> I really believe with all my heart and yeah. all my soul that it's wrong to live or, or pretend to love someone you don't love. I, I, I feel that it's wrong. And um, I have done it once in my life, with the, or once and with the deepest regret, and I will never do it again, and I haven't. And that, this is my choice, but I think a lot of people will stay together, will be together who aren't in love, and they just do it because they're too afraid to be alone. They're too afraid to, to admit failure to themselves within love or within a relationship. And this text changed all the time. And, uh, you know, it, it, not to love the person you're with is a crime. And it changed, it is a crime to not love the person you're with, which means the same. Yeah. Um, and this is going to be, you're going to have a very big exhibition in Oslo, aren't you? I'm going to have a very big, ex not really big exhibition. It's going to come here oh, too. I will let yeah. you. So I'm showing with my, the, the greatest love of my life, Edvard Munch, uh, in Oslo at the new Munch Museum, and it opens this summer. And then after, and I've selected a, a paintings by Munch to accompany mine within a dialogue. And then the show is, a smaller version of the show is coming here. Fantastic. Which is, which is nice, yeah. And this is one of the paintings which will be in the show. And this, this is how I make a painting. I had a painting underneath, I painted over the top of it, then I did the figure, I turned the canvas over the other way, then painted the figure, the figure wasn't very good, I painted it out in pink, I stuck a halo on top, I thought it's really crap, I'm gonna paint over it, but before I paint over it, I'm just gonna write over the canvas. And I wrote over the canvas with very runny, drippy paint, just wrote, didn't even think about what I was gonna write, just wrote it. And I thought, oh my God, did I just write that? <laughs> and then I realised that is the painting. And I always say about... Um, it's about being fearless, isn't it? Yeah. And I always say about, you never go to a fortune teller and, and be happy if the fortune teller told you what you already know. And it's exactly the same being an artist or a painter. You don't want to paint a painting you know. You want to paint the painting you didn't know ever existed. And, and this did, did that for me. I know that figure. I know that figure really well. It's me as a child. What I didn't know was what the writing that I was going to put next to it. It's extraordinary. Ah, this is Lucian. I, I'm very, very fond of this photograph. This is a few days before Lucian died, but I think he, he looked like a saint. Mm -hmm. It looks like an El Greco painting. Um, but again, it's coming back to your work, Tracy, and, and delving into relationships and relationships that mean something to you. Um, and you've done, a, you know, your, this drawing is extraordinary. I mean, this is with, about your mother, isn't it? Um, again, close to her death, isn't it? Well, yeah, my mom, when my mum died, 
I didn't do any drawings of her dying, but I sat with her for four days holding her hand. They told me that she was, would die within two or 12, with between two and 12 hours, but she died, she, it took four days and she told me she didn't want to die. She asked me, she said, asked me where she was going to go because she didn't believe in God. She sat up and said, I don't want to die. I don't want to die. I mean, she fought it to the absolute end. And then, the, and, the, and then she said, I don't want to leave you alone. Imagine that. And it was so hard for me. And some, I mean, the, the image of Lucian looked like a saint. He just was so happy, just beautiful. And, but it wasn't like that with my mum. But yet what's kind of very interesting between David's photo and the drawing of my mum, they're really similar. Yeah, I think so, yeah. They're about death. The, Un- yes, yeah. an understanding yeah, of an un- experience, really. It's yeah. exper- not even understanding, yeah, it's experiencing it, yeah. it more than anything. Um, this too is... Yeah. That has got a great, don't go. Don't go. <laughs> um, brilliant painting, this one. It's great to see this painting of Lucian in the in this exhibition. So he was 72 or 70 when this... Brilliant, I think one of the great paintings now of the 20th century. Um, it's the size also, so everyone I think, think in their minds think it a much bigger painting than it actually is, which shows, which I think is telling of the power of the... But you know, just that thing of cutting everything back and being naked it gives a more, it gives, I think being naked gives you, it's more permanent in a way, isn't it? But it's the honesty but yeah. with it, and also his age. I mean, a lot of people, once they're over 32, wouldn't even, you know. <laughs> whereas he's, you know, stand with a paintbrush, looking at himself, studying himself, every wrinkle, every line, everything, you know and saying, I want this to be remembered, I want this to be observed, observed. And it wasn't just about him, this is about age, this is about yeah. time, this is what happens. And this is why I'm interested in his work so much, because it isn't just, for me, it isn't just about him, it's about what happens to us all. Yeah. He, um, you know, and it, again, it is the same sort of, um, accumulation of observation and edit and and making decisions as what he was doing when he was in his early 20s. I mean, that thing of fastening your gaze is something that shows clearer than everything, anything that he got all his belief in art out of doing it. Um, yeah, but, he, but it's really amazing about it. People don't know about his work ethic. Oh, my God. What was his work ethic? He, every hour in the studio. I mean, he would get up really early, paint till lunchtime. He would sleep in the afternoons. So he was fresh at six o'clock in the evening to do a night sitting. So it was like fitting two days into a single day, 365 days a year. And if any of you paint, you, you know, really, you, honestly, you can only paint normally for two or three hours at high concentration because after that, it's just 
too exhausting. Yeah, yeah. It, it's too and much. He and that's what you've got to learn. And he learned it himself. And what is, you know, there's all the stories of Lucian's wild living, which is true of some of it. And, and he did, you know, live a full life. But he, from a very, uh, you know, from these, as you can see in this exhibition, he would return to his studio every single day and work. And that's what he learned from a very early age. Um, so this has taken the day after Lucien died. So. Um, but this is one, again, one of my great photos of, we had a day with, Jay Jopling took us um, to the Rijks Museum um, for, well, whilst it was closed and being renovated, and we were taken in, and they'd taken this Van Gogh out of the, out of its frame. And when these two met, it was like, you know, they were, Van Gogh was as alive as Lucien. And it, um, it, it was one of those really electric moments for me. Well, I'm having my, I had my own little electric moments with Edward Monk. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. to really... Uh, so, from doing, with, working with Monk, doing the Monk show, I've had um, access to the whole archive at the Monk Museum. And being such a Monk aficionado and Monk fan, to me, it's just like been... In fact, it's been over the last three years... And one of the most lovely things I could do was look through all of Monk's watercolours. And I was so uh, overwhelmed, I started crying. And they had to move the watercolours really quickly. <laughs> that was one moment. And then the other thing was when we went to the archive, this is quite good because it's Van Gogh with a hat as well. We went to, uh, in, the, in the archive where all Monk's possessions were, his furniture, his old paintbrushes, his palettes, everything. And I opened a box, and, as I, and we all looked in the box, and I swear to God, the hat, there was a hat inside, and the hat moved. And everybody saw it move, everyone. And then there was the door, the, at the Monk Museum, all the doors are like big safes. Um, because you know, because of the monk, because the everything being the screen being stolen or whatever, it's, the security is so high, and the doors are really, really heavy, and the door just went <laughs> and slammed closed. Mm. Like so did that. anything happen like that with <laughs> <laughs> all the cabinets? <laughs> it's brilliant, though. Again, it's. Back to, I mean, it's relationships, isn't it? It's, it's a great subject for painting. So this drawing is really big. It's about, I know, it's about two metres by two and a half metres. And I had been thinking about this painting of me and my mum, and I just wanted to paint our faces and do this really dark Prussian blue background. I could see it in my head. I knew exactly what I was going to do, and it was a fast sort of painting. And then I drew this. It was me asleep on the sofa, and my mum watching Pointless, or whatever. She was watching, doing her crosswords and her puzzle, and her maybe doing the crossword and asking me what was what I did I think was three up, four down, or whatever, uh, for a cross. And I just did it. I did it. It's perfect. I did this perfect drawing of me and my mum, and I started crying afterwards because it was just so us together. And it was so us together that I couldn't paint over it, I couldn't paint colour on it. Anything more would have been a lie. It yeah. would have been dishonest. 
And what was quite nice, my mum had this t lived in this very small little, lovely little flat. And my friends that have been to her, her flat, when they've seen this painting, they said, it's your mum's? I said, yeah. And I did, just drew this from my head. Just <laughs> took me, I don't know, five minutes or something. It's, it very much comes back round to what Lucian said, you know, about painting people that he cares about in rooms that he lives in and knows. Yeah. And it's exactly the same here. Um, yeah. Well, some of that, of course, we will see in the autumn when your exhibition opens here. Um, to get this correctly, mark your diaries, everybody, on the 15th of November. We oh, will have um, Emin Monk here at the Royal Academy. And um, for those of you who want a last stab, as it were, at um, the Freud exhibition, that's still on until the 26th of January. Um, during this conversation, we talked a lot, or you talked a lot, I should say, about human relationships. And of course, we saw the human relationship personified here on stage between the two of you. Um, because of course, you know, your friendship and your relationship goes way back, both in artistic terms, but also in personal terms. And I think this played out beautifully here on stage, um, that the whole conversation <laughs> was infused by your also personal history with each other. So, we're enormously grateful both to you, Tracy, and to you, David, that you've been exactly. willing to do that. It's been very inspiring, wide-ranging, um, and um, really interesting, I hope, to everybody. Um, and so this brings us to the end, and I would like to thank all of you also for, your, um, for coming here this evening, for attending, and for your attention, and I hope you enjoyed it. And now it's time to go. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this recording, feel free to leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. <laughs>